me, hello friends, and welcome to this message which is specially handpicked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at lincolnseranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities, and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. My subject today uh, is um, created for miracles. We are still bidding for miracles. We are pushing for miracles, not as a game, but uh, as something we will have to give account to the Lord concerning. Uh, the commission of Christ is that we are to go and make disciples of nations, that we are to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers. That is Jesus' mission. And we are learning to do what he did. We are trying to learn to do <laughs> what he did. Uh, whoever believes in me, John 14, 12, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he ought to also shall do. And um, so, created for miracles, if you are making notes, that's our subject. Created for miracles, that's one, one subject. The other is how miracles happen. How miracles happen, how and why miracles happen. And there it is, the summary of the whole journey that I'm taking you to, is God created us for miracles. There, I put the cut out of the bag. God created us for miracles. Now, before the fall, obviously, it was a different type of miracle. And so it was just an extension of something that God already created us for. And so I want to make five points, and I'll rest my case. Um, how do miracles happen? As we have discussed the miracles of Jesus... <laughs> I have not ceased to marvel at uh, how he does it. Now, I was particularly thinking about the healing of the blind man. And the Bible says uh, when uh, this blind man was brought to Jesus and they asked him to touch his eyes. And uh, the, the, the one that uh, Pastor Rachel shared uh, this morning, uh, Morning Glory, was about one where he spat in the, in the, on the ground and made clay with his finger, and he anointed. He said that he anointed. There was no oil in there. <laughs> it's called anointed because what the Jews understand with anything you spread on the face, it should be anointing oil. But this time it was spittle mixed with mud, and I don't know whether I shared this earlier, but you see it was common and traditional to 
touch the eyes with saliva. It was like we uh, do that in Africa in, in other ways. When you get a hiccups, when you go hick, 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 mom would say, you go, mom, mom, I've got hiccups. And you take a, a piece of the banana leaf, lick it with her tongue, and stick it on your forehead. <laughs> My wife is looking at me weird. <laughs> they probably don't do it in your household. But it was common practice for us. And, uh, and, and somehow the thought of there is this little thing on my head, I guess would distract you enough from, from the bother until it goes. So different nations and cultures have different relationships with saliva. And um, the saliva on the eyes is a, a clear Roman and Jewish thing. It says it's in Roman writings and in Jewish culture. Saliva was used a lot for eyes not for healing miracles but because i guess of the 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 um, density of the saliva when people had dry eyes they would use saliva on their eyes uh, just to try and lubricate it a bit and so when jesus spits in fact that man that he took outside of the city and say he spat took him out of the city he spat on the ground <laughs> Then he touched his eyes, and then he looked to heaven, and then he sighed. <laughs> there was all kinds of things that he did. But you see, there's a lot going on there. And I'm not saying we should go around spitting on people. Uh, but I'm saying that for the Jews, it was not uncommon for the eyes to be touched with saliva. But I want you to see beyond the mere moisturization, which was common in, in culture, is that when somebody cannot see, something has gone wrong with the structures of the eye. And the structures of the eye include the, re the receiving part at the front, the iris, the lens, that whole structure going through to the retina at the back. Something is missing. Something is broken. And yet Jesus touches those eyes and those systems are recreated and realigned. Cells are birthed. Mm? nerves are created and all of it in a few seconds and um, uh, in one he touched a guy and said what do you see he says I see men walking around like trees he touched him again and then he saw perfectly the point is this I just sat there and thought my goodness what's going on behind a miracle the woman with the issue of blood when she touched the hem of his garment and her flow dried up what is going on anatomically there? Where is this issue coming from? There's obviously either a fibroid problem or something, some kind of tumor inside of there, which will not heal, will not mend. And this woman is bleeding every day. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment. The power of God flows into her and something happens anatomically. And she is corrected in there instantly at cellular biological level. <laughs> I want to take you somewhere. I want you to imagine, because I think when we over-mystify and are, or are mystified with, with how a miracle happens, we, 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 can, we can feel a little more dazed. But I felt that like God was challenging me to meditate on how miracles happen, created for miracles. Father, help us as we turn to your word. Open our eyes to behold beautiful things in there. 
We are bidding for signs and wonders for our world, answered prayer, for those that are suffering, even right now, those that have called in. May your power be present to heal, to touch, and to redeem. Amen. Number one, how miracles happen is because of what God is like. Let's first deal with him. What is God like? (laughs) Because this is where it's all springing from. Miracles happen because of what God is like. And it's three things. I love these three words in describing him. I call them the three O's of God. Number one, he is omnipotent. That means he can do all things. There's no restriction. There is no limit to what he can do. God can do all things. Now, that's not meant to be misapplied that God can 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 drink a juice. It's not, we're talking about possibilities of things that would otherwise be impossible. God is not restricted in power. God is all-powerful. Secondly, God is omniscient. The word omni is all, and then the word attached shows what area we are talking about. So omni, all-potent, omnipotent, God can do anything. And we have seen that he can raise the dead, he can heal the crippled, he can recreate organs, he can correct any problem on the human body. He can create things in the systems. He can calm a raging sea. So God has power over our wind systems and our pressure systems because storms are caused when uh, low, uh, when warm, hot air rising from the ocean meets dry light air, and the two collide, and and there's a storm, and the storm will rage until meteorological forces are neutralized. Jesus wakes up and says, peace be still. (laughs) And entire meteorological systems obey and collapse at his word. So God has got power over meteorology. God has got power over biology. God has got power over geography. God has power over psychology. These ologies, which means studies or knowledge, do not overwhelm God. In fact, he spanned them into existence. It is him who spoke these systems into being. That is why miracles are possible. It's because every situation where we stand that needs a miracle, the forces behind it, fallen or not, We are spun into existence. We are spat into existence by God. And so by his omnipotence, he can correct anything and can reverse anything. His omnipotent is also omniscient. Omniscient. Out of the scient or omniscience is where you get science. God is all-knowing. God is all... God is behind everything that you can produce and prove in a scientific lab. He knows it all. He doesn't need a degree, doesn't need anyone to educate him because he knows all things. Now, when you connect all power and all knowledge, you already have an atomic bomb. When somebody has all power and all knowledge, my friend, you better take a seat 
because you are dealing with somebody very powerful. No limit to his knowledge, no limit to his power. And when you add the third O, things go completely off the chart because he is also omnipresent, meaning he is fully present everywhere, all the time, in space and time. God is fully present everywhere, all the time. He's present right here. He is present where you are. He is present today. He is present yesterday. He is present in the future at the same time. With him, there is no time. There is no space. There is no continuum. Now, when somebody is all-powerful and all-knowledge and all-present, get off the seat and kneel (laughs) because you are dealing with incredible power. That, my friend, is our God. And this is the other issue. When God uses his omnipotence and omniscient, omniscience and omnipresence to perform a miracle, he does not need to recover. He does not need a day off to recuperate and re-energize. <laughs> Come on. When we pray for a miracle, we are not straining God. Cannot be exhausted. It cannot be overwhelmed. So, this is point number one concerning miracles. We are dealing with an inexhaustible God, exhaustible, inexhaustible in knowledge, inexhaustible in power, and uncontainable in presence. Yes, the first reason why miracles happen is we are dealing with a triple power, powerful, quadruple. Hey, my English runs out. We are dealing with power at, at at its most incredible dimension. Endless power. Number two, why do miracles happen? And I'm making the point, miracles happen because they were meant to happen. God. God, when he's creating nature, when he's creating the universe, you see, the universe itself is a miracle. We call it nature, and scientists think that it can all fit in books. The reality is, as we speak here today, friends, scientists have put their hands up and and, and, and surrendered to the realization that there are aspects of nature that do not fit in a test tube. And this whole new area called quantum physics, you probably have heard of quantum physics. Quantum physics takes every physics book and tears it up to pieces because the principles at work at the microorganic level, when you go past atoms and you go to to to, to the smallest elements eh? of the human of the human cre of not a human of nature of nature. Mm? When you look at the pluses and minuses, the, the nucleus and the protons and the and the neurons and, and, and my, my English my, my my physics is even collapsing. I don't even remember some some of these things. They said the forces that are involved 
at subatomic level do not answer to any laws of physics. Allow me to, 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 to delve in just a little, a little deeper. For example, we grew up uh, doing biology and we were told, you see, when the sun shines upon a leaf, the leaf is green and it has chlorophyll in it, which is the green color. And that color captures the rays of the sun, captures the energies of the sun, and turn them into food. <laughs> the sentence is very innocent until you actually sit down and examine the mechanism by which chlorophyll grabs the light ray and pockets it into energy and turns it into starch and sugar. At that level, they are saying that physics and the chemistry involved does not obey any rules. Something intelligent is going on. They say something so intelligent is going on in photosynthesis, what we call photosynthesis. It's like there is a brain which ensures that a particular ray of light ends up in a specific particular place of the chemical inside electrolytes. And the only way it can end up there is as if there is somebody catching the ray of light with high infinity understanding and putting it where it belongs. It is called uh, 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 science at a completely <laughs> different level. My friends, science itself is miraculous when it is all said and done. And so, my point number two is either way, the universe is supernatural by function. It is supernatural by function. The amount of nervous, nerves in our bodies and the constitution of the human body, not just the human body, any living biological organism, is so intricately weaved together. <laughs> the, the, the honest scientists should tell you the human body is a miracle. It is a miracle. There is no biological process that would create the human body as it is or any animal for that matter you already are a walking living miracle and so when you go to the garden of eden and i i think i put this verse down there uh, pastor g genesis i think it's chapter one uh, when god is creating let me make sure we have the right um, um, field here for verses to show. No, I don't think I want Genesis 1. Talking about uh, Genesis. Do you have Genesis 2 there somewhere? Yeah, look at this. These are, this is a, a, an attempt to describe the Garden of Eden. And I want to present to you, friends, the Garden of Eden was essentially a supernatural space. <laughs> supernatural space. And we, we think it was natural. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the next to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. <laughs> what is that? A mist went up from the earth 
and watered the whole face of the ground. Is there another verse? Did I stop there? And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life, and he became a living being. And the Lord planted a garden east of Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is present to the site and to sight to, to, to the site and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is a, a small description of a space that is weird. Mist is coming from the earth to water the whole garden. Other versions say springs. <laughs> springs came, would come up and, and water the gardens, and then they would dry up, and the earth would be left moistened. You know? And then it says, The Lord caused trees to spring out. We are not told that He sowed any seeds. Supernaturally, trees of all types grew and sprang up from the ground and created an environment for Adam to enjoy. My friend, the Garden of Eden was supernatural. One of those trees right in the middle is the tree of life. And one is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These trees are both of them essentially supernatural. Because when Adam eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God now has to drive him out of the garden because if he was to eat of the tree of life, he would live forever. <laughs> now tell me, what kind of tree do you eat and live forever? We're talking about a supernatural garden. Some actually argue that the Garden of Eden was a manifestation of heaven on earth. It was, a, it was the kingdom of God. It was a manifestation of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says in verse 8, I think I put verse 8 there somewhere, that the Lord God would come walking in the garden. Hmm? That the Lord would come walking in the garden. Uh, when Adam fell, um, God, they had the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. I'm thinking the Lord God is walking in the garden. How are these things? The Garden of Eden was a mixture of third heaven and first heaven. So, man was never created to function outside of the miraculous. Even before his fall, man was being sustained by supernatural dynamics all around him. So when we fall, we cut off a vital flaw. That is why death comes in, because we, 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 we disconnect from the reality of the supernatural. Why do miracles happen they were always meant to happen. That is point number two. Number one, God's nature is the three O's, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Number two, miracles were meant to happen. They were part of God's creative order. And he could have just created a precipitation system as now, but uh, he just somehow had created a misting situation in which mist would show up and water the garden. So there's no rain. For Adam to get wet. <laughs> hmm? The Garden of Eden, my friend, was a supernatural space. Number three. Allow me to, to speed through this. Why do miracles happen? Miracles happen because of the nature of creation. 
because of the nature of creation. Now let me read you Colossians 1 and verse 16 so that we can see the nature of creation. This is one of my favorite verses and you, you know I speak about it a lot. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Punchline here. All things were created through him and for him. My goodness me. All things were created through him and for him. So nature as we know it, whether you're talking about rocks and rivers and lakes, whether you're talking about animals, all things were created by him, for him. By him, for him. To enjoy. Let me tell you about one of the key ro- uh, rules of creation. One of the laws of creation is this. When you create, all creation creators, when they create, part of the important aspect of their creation is what they create they should be able to sustain. They should be able to sustain and service and nourish and protect and govern. We don't want creations running amok on earth. We don't want aeroplanes flying themselves and crashing on us. That's one of the reasons artificial intelligence has had real problems becoming sanctioned. Everyone is concerned. Creators are concerned. We're going to release robots and find we can't control them. I will have broken the law of creation. The creator is ultimately responsible for the servicing, the governing, the repair of whatever he has created. It is only common sense. It is only responsible that you cannot just create something and dump it on, on, on the universe and walk away. Responsible creators must take responsibility to govern to service, to recall. And uh, in in the car world uh, and in the world of gadgets, you occasionally hear Honda is recalling all its uh, accords of this year and this year because we have noticed we made a mistake somewhere in the airbags and the cost is ours. No one pays because Honda must take responsibility for its creation and no one should pay the bill for for, for its fallacy, for its fall. For its malfunction. My God, if in today's world you create anything and you do not ensure it is safe, they are coming for you. They are coming for you. And let me tell you, friends, the author of life, the one who made heaven and earth, did not create a universe he cannot intervene in and walk away and say, there you go, you guys are in your, on your own self and the devil is here, and I can't manage the devil. There he is. I'm dumping him on earth as well. And then he sits in heaven enjoying angels singing and worship. Come on, guys. Come on. God as a creator is committed to his creation. He's committed to servicing his creation. He's committed to repairing his creation. He's committed to intervening in his creation. Without taking away free will, without doing what we call uh, (laughs) helicopter parenting because he gave us free will and we are entitled to our choices, our decisions and the consequences of it. 
And so, <laughs> I may detour a little here. As I was praying for Putin this morning, part of my, my battle was realizing he's exercising free will. He's making choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's making choices. And the battle between um, the communists and the capitalists, the West and, and, and them, and the political agendas and uh, stuff, some of it is very impure and imperfect. So we cannot simply come at this purely because we are from the West. And simply, the, the governance of this must be brought to Christ. We're not talking about whether one system should rule over another. Of course, oppression and the lack of freedom, the taking away of free will, which happens a lot in the Russian system, is completely anti-God, which is why the West is big on freedom, because God creates man and gives him freedom to choose. But then, Putin has also chosen to invade Ukraine. And so, choice can go wrong in very bad ways. But the point, let's go back to the point, is that God did not create a world and step back and leave it to itself. When a car is being built, the designer of the car, the manufacturer of the car, does not just put things together randomly and hope you pay them a lot of money and they go buy mansions and, and, and become super rich. They must leave access for repair in that car. They must make sure the screws are removable. They must make sure parts are accessible. As they are creating the car, they already create spares to repair it. And they create tools to move the aspects that need to be moved during servicing and repair. And I want to say to you, my friends, when God was creating man, he was also making space in case man goes wrong. This is what I'll do to save him. This is how I'll heal him. This is how I'll deliver him. This is how I'll provide for him. Because that is what creators do. That is why. The scriptures tell us that the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. God had to create a budget for the redeeming of man. And that budget was the slaying of his son. So God did not launch man randomly into existence without providing for his deliverance. Why do miracles happen? They happen because God provided for their happening right from before he created the earth. They are the service regime of his creation. They are how God repairs and recalls and intervenes. Why do miracles happen? It's because of the nature of creation. God made all things for himself. And so if everything was made for himself, then God better look after his property. I don't know whether you've ever been to someone's home and looked around the home and said, what's wrong with the dwellers of this house? Why is everything a mess? Why is nothing looked after? How can you neglect your own home? And everything is broken. The cooker doesn't work. The fridge is dead. The washing machine is limping. And it's like, what's wrong with you? This is your property. And as far as God is concerned, the earth is his and the fullness thereof. So God has an agenda to clean up and clear up for himself for what he created. And he needs to be notified by us through prayer that we give him space to come 
into our lives and repair our children, repair our marriages, repair our finances, repair our, our bodies. May God heal us, my friends. May God heal us. May God heal you. May God heal you. I want you to know when you're asking God for a miracle, you are not inconveniencing him. He never wears. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't need persuasion. He made complete supply for these things. In fact, in manufacturing and in, in, in all kinds of, of creativity, the creator of the product becomes very defensive of their product. Toyota wants to make sure Toyotas are reputable. And when they hear something is wrong, they intervene to make sure their name is saved from disrepute. <laughs> I hope you guys are hearing me. So point number three, the nature of creation is that God created it to be serviceable. Yes, God put in place areas where he knows, I will come in through here. I will come in through there. I know how to do this. I will know. I know. He knows how to access creation and heal it. He knows how to calm the storm. He knows how to neutralize meteorological forces. He knows how to destroy cancer. He knows how to heal bones. He knows how to open the barren womb. He knows how. My God, the nature of creation. Creation is healable. Creation is deliverable. My God. Uh, let me bring this point in as well. A friend of mine bought a car some time ago. He loved this car. It was so beautiful to drive. It was a seven-seater uh, vehicle. And he loved this car until one day, I think, um, uh, I, I don't remember which part of the car, but I think it was either the water pump or was it um, something? And uh, part of the engine went. And because he fixes his own car, he went online and researched and he found to access this spare part, he had to raise the whole engine out. <laughs> he had to literally unscrew the bonnet off, put it there. He had to go and hire a, a hoist, a heavy-duty hoist, unscrew the engine, lift the engine out. Because the person who created the engine did not think that one day, <laughs> maybe he did think, <laughs> But something was wrong with his thinking. A part which is easily accessible on all other models for this particular car, you needed to remove the whole engine to reach it. And my, my friend told me by the time I finished doing that job, I sold the car straight away. I said, I will not partner with a foolish manufacturer who does not create access for repair. And by the time he finished, he had spent hundreds of pounds when normally he should have spent a little. God is not a foolish manufacturer that he put you together with no capacity to access the parts of you that needs to be touched, that need to be healed, that need to be serviced. I'm saying the nature of creation is that it is serviceable. My body is serviceable. Bless the Lord. My body is healable. My mind is healable. My body is healable. My mind is healable. My finances are healable. All the systems and structures of the earth, God has ways to access them. Number four. I hope you're hearing me. I was just having this meditation. Hmm? I was just having this meditation and just enjoying it. Number four. Miracles happen because of the raw material used in creation. 
Miracles happen because of the raw material used in creation. Do you know what the raw material of creation is? Have you ever heard of single-use plastics? <laughs> the problem with single-use plastics is the raw material they are made from is useless. Once you have used it once, throw away. No, no recycling, no redemption, no plan. Single-use plastics are destroying our world. And increasingly, the earth is abandoning single-use plastics and looking for recyclables. What kind of raw material are you using to create? Now, what is the raw material that God made the reality and, and matter out of? Shall I tell you? Can you guess? Let me see whether anybody's going to guess on the forum. <laughs> oh, my days. Actually, I have six points, not five. <laughs> the raw material that God used in creating reality is the word and the spirit. The word of God and the spirit of God are the building blocks of all reality. <laughs> this mouse, this phone, <laughs> this microphone, everything you can see and touch was made out of the word and the spirit. Because God created the world ex inihilo is the Greek way we put it. Ex inihilo. He created things out of nothing. There was no raw material except the very word of God and the spirit of God colliding together and things coming out of nothing to be something. I want you to be blown away. But the, the building blocks of your body are word and spirit. The very word and spirit of God brought you into being. You are the raw material by which... Oh, God, the, God is the raw material by which trees and stones and animals and metal and wood and everything that you see is a product of the word and the spirit. Nothing was made. And I think that is what we wanted to read in John chapter 1 and verse 1. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Mm -hmm. Next verse. Did I put verse 2? Only that. Sorry. Uh, uh, let me read the rest of it here in verse 2. It says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Nothing was made that was made except by the word. And remember, as we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. You have that, Pastor G, Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. The earth, uh, the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. Here are the creative ingredients of the universe. The, the Spirit is moving upon the face of the, the, the earth, then God said, let there be light. The word comes, collides with the presence of God. Boom, light is created. Boom, substance is created. Earth is created. 
All things were created from the raw material of God's word. My God. Now that makes me excited. Because you see, I am not built out of dust. Okay, God bends down and takes the dust of the earth and forms a man out of it and breathes into him. But even the dust was created by the word and the spirit. So you see, creation is set up for intervention. Creation is set up for miracles. That's why I called the other alternative to this <laughs> subject. I couldn't decide, should I call it created for miracles or how do miracles happen? <laughs> My friend, the, the earth was created for miracles because at the foundation of matter is the word of God. Now, this, this is what blows your mind because when the scientists split the atom, you know, we think, oh, we know how this works. We know how the atomic world works. And there's a proton, which is a positive force. And then there are neurons, which are neutrons, which are the, the negative force. And one spins around the other. Oh, we know how this works. And then they say, let's go deeper. And they try to split the atom and find its function. Then they found that the split atom behaves as if it has a, it has a mind. Go read your quantum physics. Quantum physics has left everybody confused because it has brought a crisis because at the foundation beyond where science begins, when you go deeper, there is no science. There is intelligence. There's an intelligent force functioning <laughs> at the deepest level of creation. I will not even go there because I don't have 10,000 verses to show you. But the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. Hmm? In him we live and move and have our being. And I'm going to show you another verse. Now let me use a good illustration here to show you why I'm going to sleep excited tonight concerning the miraculous. Hmm? Concerning the miraculous. We need to be excited. Now let's think of a candle. Think of a candle. What is a candle made of? I'll tell you what a candle is made of. It's made of what is called paraffin wax. Paraffin wax. So this wax melts at a certain temperature. But they also found that it's a great fuel when you put a wick or a thread in it and strike a match, there will be a, this... this um, Wax will manage the burning rate of the wick so that the wick is not completely extinguished and then it's mixing with the wax and it burns on and on and on and on and which is candles, why candles are today uh, an abiding reality even in a modern world. Candles have been here since when? They just add aromas to them and create uh, different <laughs> smells. But the basic science is paraffin wax. Now, how is a candle made? They take a chunk of paraffin wax, throw it into a mold, and raise the temperature of the mold. The mold may be a square. It may be a circle. The wax will melt. While the wax is molten, they will insert a thread in the middle for the wick. Yeah? Or it will be there in place before the, 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 the wax is poured in at a certain temperature. Then they will let it cool. When it cools, you have a candle. Now, listen. 
when you recreate the temperature at which the candle was formed, it melts. You go back to creation. When you raise the temperature to the conditions that were present at creation, <laughs> the candle goes back to creation dynamics. And now you can change its shape. You can change it to a square or whatever because you have recreated the conditions of its creation. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? It dropped in my spirit. You see, that's why we love the presence and word of God because it is our building material. When a believer stands in the presence of God and allows the word of God to impact them, we are melted again. And now God can reshape us and remold us and, and remove impurities and remove defilements because we are in the atmosphere that created us. We are in the world of miracles. Every time you are in the word and the spirit, you are, my friends, a candidate for miracles. You are a candidate for recreation. And may God visit you with recreative miracles even now as you are hearing this word and the presence of God is touching you. May God touch your life and remove pollutants and remove defilements and remove diseases and remove things that have invaded the original picture that God had concerning you. May God recreate your womb if he has to recreate your womb. That is how Jesus would touch a blind, eyes, a, a, a blind eye. And you see the word made flesh. Jesus was the word made flesh. And then the spirit came and fell on him. And then he begins to walk the earth. And he is virtually the conditions of creation walking the streets. He is the condition of creation walking the streets. No wonder the blind eyes will be recreated at his touch. No wonder the dead will be raised. No wonder deaf ears would hear. No wonder crippled would, cripples would jump. Because he was the conditions of creation walking as a man. <laughs> May God make us such. May God make us such. May God make us a manifestation of the word and the spirit. May God make us a manifestation of the word and the spirit. And may we touch blind eyes. And you, boom, you touch them. And the retina is recreated. And cells are rebirthed. You touch someone's stomach. And everything is recreated because you have recreated the conditions of the original creation. Oh, I hope you're hearing me. <laughs> Woo! I love this. I love this. I love this. Let me bring another story. My wife and I, this last winter, went to Winter Wonderland. Remember that, honey? We went to Winter Wonderland. Now, we wanted to see, because you see how it is, you always drive past the same. I said, well, I wonder what Winter Wonderland looks like. And the winter was going to be ending. The Christmas season was ending. And I thought, my wife, I want to go somewhere where there's lights and color and fun. <laughs> And I thought, why don't we go and check out Winter Wonderland in Hyde Park? So we jumped up uh, out of, uh, went into public transport, I think. No, we drove. <laughs> we drove and walked to Winter Wonderland. It was a bit disappointing because we found really targeted for, for children, more like. It was a horribly cold day as well. <laughs> and uh, it didn't really live up to my, my imaginations. But, but, but one of the highlights what this place called the, the, the Magic Winter Garden. The Magic Winter 
garden, you remember that. It's a space you enter and it has sculptures made of ice. Sculptures made of ice. I'm talking about a horse made of ice. <laughs> a human being made of ice. Oh my days, the artistry in there was incredible. But you see, the whole thing is sculpted at minus eight degrees. That art only answers to eight, minus eight degrees Celsius. And so we stepped into the magical uh, ice kingdom. And my God, even our winter coats were not working. And we were trying to enjoy the show, but it was too cold and it, the air is being blown. And we, we went through quickly. Uh, but uh, the artist in me was blessed and, and, and amazed by how creative people are. But you see, here it is. Those ice sculptures were created at a particular temperature. And to sustain them, they had to be kept at that particular temperature. Minus eight degrees. When God was creating you and I, he meant us to function in the environment of word and spirit. That was our environment. Word and spirit. So we must immerse ourselves regularly because when you take that sculpt, sculpture out of minus eight, if the temperature drops, if the air conditioning dies, they begin to melt. They begin to melt. And now you're coming in to see the show and the sculptures are melting because they've been taken out of the environment they were created for. God created us, my friends, to be sustained by the miraculous, to be sustained by the word, and to be sustained by the Holy Spirit. And we think it is unnatural for God to visit us. We think it's natural to become fat and full of diabetes and high blood pressure and... Uh, all these crazy things that hit the human body and we think, oh, it's natural. Let me tell you, friends, it is not. <laughs> what, what is natural is Adam. And Adam was supposed to live forever because he had access to the tree of life. And that tree of life represents Jesus. Jesus is the tree of life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If we eat of him, drink of him, he says, you will never die. If you eat of me and drink of me. And I'm, I'm stretching your faith, friends, here. I'm stretching us against and beyond what we naturally think. And think, oh, what can you do? This is life. No, this is not life. This ain't it. God in, intended man to live in supernatural support systems. Where the spirit of God moves upon you every morning and repairs you. And the Lord would come in the cool of the day to talk to Adam. And that exchange, <laughs> can you imagine having a conversation with good God over tea, evening tea? Do you think he would have left tumors in his body? Hmm? His body would be rejuvenated daily. No wonder Moses could not die and he had no arthritis or any of those things because he met with God face to face 40 days and nights. 40 days, he came back and his face was glowing. And then he went back and it became a daily thing that he comes back with the glory of God 
trapped in his body. Trapped in his body. I'm finishing this, friends. I'm finishing this. The word and the spirit is our created environment. And those two, when they meet, miracles happen. How is creation sustained? Let's go to that. Number five, we experience miracles. Miracles happen because of how creation is sustained. Not only did it come out of the word and the spirit, it is also sustained by the word and the spirit. Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 1.3, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of the glory of God and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, upholding all things by the word of his power. I want to stop there. Now, other translations will tell you, sustaining all things by the word of his power. So when the word of God creates a material, it doesn't disappear and say, boom, I've finished. No, the very word which creates the material stays to sustain it. Matter is sustained by the very presence of God. <laughs> this is a beautiful meditation. Consider that matter is sustained by the word of God. Now I understand why tumors disappear. God withdraws his word. <laughs> from the tumor <laughs> he stops sustaining it <laughs> and it disappears Pim! because the author the source has come and said you're fired in Jesus name you're fired may God fire illegitimate growth in your body in the name of Jesus we call back the word that created the substance that Satan has abused and created rebellious cells that cause cancers and all kinds of madness May God recall his word from structures that were not created, that were not created by the will and plan of God. Hey, hey, I'm coming for Putin. I'm coming for Vladimir Putin. Because you see, <laughs> we need to understand God has a servicing and repair system for the earth. And that is where the children of God come in and make noise and say, Lord, creation has gone wrong. Will you send repair? And unless this is, a found, is the fulfillment of biblical prophecies, and some people are saying Putin's invest, invade, invading of, 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 um, of Ukraine is part of all the fulfillment of the prophecies, uh, perhaps, but I still want to make an argument. But I want you to know, first and foremost, nothing exists by its own right. But it's just that God is kind. He does not go around disappearing things because they annoy him. <laughs> Thank God he's not a control freak. Some of us would have disappeared already because we have annoyed him so many times. But Thank God he steps back and says, okay, I'm not going to recall everything. I'm not going to remove my word that sustains these things. But when we pray, we energize and we bid for the disappearing of things that should not be now god sustains all things that is why miracles happen because god recreates and disappears things creation is literally like a pot on a on a, on a spinning table god can push 
and, and, and shape creation. We think it is static, but God is able to shape our lives. And not only did he create matter, the systems that sustain matter, he created as well. That is why he can intervene in the systems of weather and say, no, 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 peace be still. That's why he can say, gravity, you are fired because now I'm going to walk on the water. I, I instituted gravity and now it is fired until further notice and he invites Peter to join him in those dynamics because they are all sustained by God. Gravity is not a natural force. <laughs> it is a supernatural commissioned force. God put it in place. And he has the right to fire it when he chooses. Hey, I must stop this preaching. <laughs> so we experience miracles because of how matter is sustained. That is point number six. Was it six or five? Point number five. Because of how creation is sustained. And finally, Uh, I want to bring Mr. Putin in here because I've been praying for him, praying about him. And I want us to be practical. Our world needs us right now. Today I sat and watched the news and my heart broke because compassion is when you put yourself in the feet of the people you are watching. And I imagined the, the horror of having to bundle up all your possessions into a few bags or some of your possessions into a few bags, flee your own home, stand at endlessly at train stations, trains that are not showing up. You've run out of food. There is no cash to draw. People have no food. People are underground. I watched grown men weeping. They showed a father today just crying. Grown-up man, because he has to be separated from his wife and children, because they are saying the men must stay here and die and fight. Friends, it is heartbreaking what's going on in Ukraine. How do you pray concerning this Russian invasion? Where do you stand? Where do you stand? And you see, we stand from the cross. That's where we stand. Let me tell you a statement. As I prayed for Putin this morning, I had to stand. First of all, the first thing you must steward is Christ. Jesus died for Vladimir Putin. Jesus died completely as if Vladimir Putin was the only man on earth. He died for him. He carried all his sins. Yeah? The sins that were put on Jesus included this invasion. <laughs> I don't know whether you're hearing me. The, the sins that killed Jesus included the sin that is bombarding of, of, of uh, Ukraine and the destruction of people's lives. Jesus carried it all and died for it. I do not, I am not trying to introduce Vladimir Putin to God. I'm not trying to build a case concerning him. A case was already built concerning him before time began. Hmm? Because God says, according to the scriptures, that he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. Timelessly, God interacts with every human soul before it comes into the planet Earth, my belief. And he knows each one of us and paid personally for each one of us to be redeemed. A personal price. Vladimir Putin 
The blood of Jesus was shed for you at the cross. Jesus died because of you. There is a quarter of his blood that is non-negotiable concerning you. You are responsible for his death. You are responsible for his death. My Savior died because of you and your sins. And, and now that is my entry point into Putin's life. That's my entry point. I am looking for the blood of my Savior which was shed for this man. In my language, Kulondola, we are, we are chasing after the blood that is on file for him. And that blood speaks better things of him than the blood of Abel. God provided in Christ that he should behave different from what he's doing. And he's taken an already difficult world and life. We are trying to recover from the grief and the losses of, of COVID. And this man now plunges the whole world into the dark world of, of war. And I'm telling you, friends, he's not free from the claim of the blood. He's not free from the claim of the blood. And I want to read you a verse that, that takes this to another level. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. Let me tell you another thing about miracles. If there is a miracle that is supposed to happen in Putin's life, it comes from this verse. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. We discussed this verse some time ago. Forgive me for going long. But you see, just as much as God ensured that all creation he has access to for servicing, he also realized earth cannot function unless it has leaders. Earth must have leaders. Not everybody can lead as well as everybody. We are all leaders. But they are leaders of leaders and leaders of leaders of leaders. And the king is a leader who has national influence and can cause changes in a region. And so, according to Proverbs 21, once God gives you the gift of leadership, he also, in somehow in that particip participation, because God himself is a leader, he has access to the hearts of kings. God has access to the heart of kings in a greater and more supernatural way than we know. And we see in the scriptures, as we have seen, that he had power to grab Nebuchadnezzar and send him off to attack nations. Because God, and I'm not saying about violating his own free will. No, I'm not talking about God violating his will. No, no I'm talking about God allowing environments around leaders so that they make decisions from inspirational things that are going on around them. When you read the scriptures, kings are dreaming dreams. Nebuchadnezzar dreams a dream which is entirely prophetic and is not even a Jew. And he sees a statue which has the head of gold and shoulders of, of silver. And, and he is caught up in biblical prophecy because he's a king. And kings, God has access to them. I want you to sit up wherever you are right now and understand we have access to Vladimir Putin. We have access to the spiritual space around him. We have, God has right to send him dreams, to send him visions. But it's got to be activated by prayer. 
God has a right to shake his heart and his life because he enjoys the privilege of leadership. The budget that he runs, the unlimited power that he enjoys, he is not free of accountability with God. And I think the church has not understood this. And we sometimes pray as if we are powerless. But I feel that we are going to begin to see moves of God in which he moves the hearts of leaders like he moved Nebuchadnezzar. He also went and knocked him off the throne and made him mad for seven years. Now, please understand, all this is second heaven. When God is dealing with nations, it's always second heaven. The church is third heaven. Nations, <laughs> nations can experience third heaven issues. I mean second heaven issues. And that's what we're talking about there with the old covenant and the, the Israelites and all that. So in the name of Jesus, our stewardship as believers is to invoke the issue of the blood. And right now, I want you to begin to pray. In the name of Jesus, we activate the work of Christ for Putin. We activate the work of Christ, whether it is unto salvation or unto him rejecting the call of God and becoming a, 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 a trouble causer. Either way, he is not going to continue to plunder because they are thinking now that his plot is to finish with Ukraine and start on Poland and then go to Finland and completely mess up the whole of that European uh, area. And we as the church understand the Bible says in the end times there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes. There will be floods. There will be pestilences. We've just seen covid but we prayed and believed and COVID, thank God, has gone down. Yeah. So it is already on record. There's been a war. So as a sign, it's done. It doesn't mean it must continue indefinitely for God knows how long just because it's prophesied that there will be wars in the earth. So in Jesus' name, we are activating a, a stopping of this, that the gospel may be preached in those areas. The church is being persecuted there. People are dying. Believers are dying. Children are dying. Therefore, we invoke the blood of the Lamb concerning this situation. And we say, worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and riches and praise. Worthy is the Lamb. Christ is the heir of the earth, not Vladimir Putin. Vladimir, you are not the heir of the Eastern Europe section. You are not Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And therefore, we stand as the church and we blow a whistle against your advance, against Ukraine and the, trying to terrorize the known world with your fears and your threats. We invoke a supernatural visitation over Vladimir Putin and ask that the blood which was shed for him shall shout over him in this situation. However, that manifests, lords, we don't know. But we want Ukraine free. We want Poland free, we want Finland free, we want the known world free. We refuse the destruction and the territorialism and the sheer arrogance of this demonized man. In the name of Jesus, we invoke the masses of heaven that were his account on the cross and ask that something mighty shall happen because God has access to his heart. God of heaven, invade the Kremlin right now. Invade the Kremlin and let your glory come upon that structure, that structure, that structure, that structure. 
and we invoke revival, we invoke awakening, we invoke the Savior. Lord, may that slaughter stop. May that slaughter stop. We ask, Lord, that peace would reign over this area and over this season. In the name of Jesus, we ask, God, that your mighty hand will now begin to orchestrate starting tonight. We know you don't need the whole nation fasting and praying on this. We don't need the whole nation fasting and praying. You said I sought for a man to stand in the gap. And we know you found that man in Christ. And we, today we stand as him over this situation. And we ask for a change. In the name of Jesus. May his canons be reversed. May his tanks roll back. May this come to an end for the glory of your name. Do something, Jesus. Do something, King of kings and Lord of lords. We come into this territory not in human wisdom and not invoking human judgments. We just invoke the blood and the mercy and the compassion by which you died for this man. And may there be a deliverance over that region from his death agenda for the glory of your name. Amen. We're done, friends. I've given you six reasons. Why miracles happen? They happen because God's nature is incredible. They happen because God created man to enjoy miracles. It's so always been part of the deal. It's also cre because creation by nature hmm, was created for God. Yeah, it was made out of the building blocks of word and spirit. The raw material of creation is word and spirit. Mm? And it is sustained by word and spirit. And you see, the systems of the world, including this region, this regional leaderships, the higher leaders go, the more God has a say on where things go. So may God's deliverance be displayed and demonstrated in this time through the changing of circumstances in our world. In Jesus' name. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We say yes to your regime and program of the miraculous. Touch us, touch our children, touch our bodies, touch our finances. We say yes to a naturally supernatural life. Hey, hey, my God, we say yes to a naturally supernatural life. When we eat, when we drink, when we bathe, let it all be caught up in supernatural dynamics that things will happen in our lives and our bodies that are totally supernatural. And God's people said amen and amen.